This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile house plants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Just out, warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. Good morning, good morning. Coach Hall here in the uh, Warhol Command Center inside the Melvin Law Studio here. And uh, we've got an eventful Coach Hall's um, discussion today because everybody's been waiting for this shoe to drop. And, uh, you know, we can say now that it's dropped and... We, of course, not just locally, but nationally, probably internationally, even know that, you know, one more coach has walked the plank, if you will, and uh, is in deep water, swimming away now to the next location, next island, I guess, where it will be refuge, if you like my little analogy here. Um, it really comes as no surprise after the game this weekend when the other coach was so ambitious and aggressive and imaginative and creative and committed to winning at all costs, running one of the most daring plays, uh, you know, to run a two-point conversion and then um, get the touchdown It's to win it. It's, it's just um, one of the, another one of those scenarios that uh, it looks as if, uh, <laughs> and it's, these are his own words, um, Mullins' own words, uh, he didn't see it coming. Well, so we're going to spend a little time, as I've been saying right along about Mullins, there was, in my estimation, a, a basic flaw in the coach-athlete uh, relationship. And it was very, very visible for me anyway when he marched with Black Lives Matter parade with his athletes. You know, it's not for nothing that the military keeps its enlisted men separate from its officers. And um, those officers need to give enlisted men commands. The shoe doesn't work the other way although there must be cooperation moving both ways, of course. But um, it's uh, top-down management from uh, uh, the admirals and the generals all the way down through the system. And, and um, you know, there are people who have parallel responsibilities to master gunners and those people, but they defer always to, uh, to, the, to the officers. I have a very good friend who's a retired master gunner who used to be the personal bodyguard of one of the generals which was a very coveted position, uh, but he nevertheless wasn't the general. So I always felt there was a problem uh, brewing uh, in the relationship that the coach had with the players. Um, of course, you know, this brings up the question of whether or not this is old-fashioned coaching or new coaching, because there is a difference. Uh, we now have practically all black teams. Uh, I think the University of Florida had uh, one white player on the field, um, if, if that is the wide out from Buholtz, 
Um, other than that, you've got a really um, an all black team. And so one person has already texted me this morning and said that he's betting that the coach uh, next time will have to be a minority. Well, a minority is no guarantee to that. Charlie Strong was a minority coach for University of Texas. He didn't work out. Uh, if you start doing this color-coded thing, you're going to find right away that you're going to make some more mistakes. Uh, that's not to say there aren't some very talented, quote-unquote, black coaches out there. But to start entering this um, search, uh, you know, colorblind, if you will, uh, boiling your options down to we must have since we have all black players, practically therefore a black coach, that is not going to cut it. Uh, in fact, that would be a step backwards, I think, in uh, relation, racial relations. Uh, we all should be out there colorblind. We're all pulling uh, for win. And um, yes, we don't. And somebody texted me and said, do you ever see any Asian players? No. Uh, football is not a sport for Asians. Engineering is, uh, medicine is, but not football. Uh, that's not their ticket. Uh, their ticket is to be educated. And and uh, more and more, you'll probably notice as you go to your physicians, you go to your pharmacists, you go to your medical personnel, they're Asian. Um, they have a very arduous uh, scholarship tradition. We don't. We've tried to fudge it by calling it scholar athletes. And that's just a big uh, uh, lie. I mean, that's, that's just not the case. Um, every time I hear one of the fellows make on the team a really gross grammatical error who is now in his last year at Florida as a college student. I mean, gross, can't conjugate the verbs. It's like a fingernail on a blackboard to me making a scratching sound, which I think is one of the most cringing sounds you can hear. Uh, that's how I am when I hear these guys uh, pretend to be a a students. They're not students. So, you know, let's go ahead. And we're inching toward that with the uh, transfer portal. Uh, the transfer portal is treating these guys, uh, men and women too, uh, more and more as if they were just uh, uh, their own um, brand and their own product and they can market themselves and sell themselves to the highest bidder. And I'm going to get into how that's worked, you know, for the basketball team in a moment. So it might be that Mullen just hasn't picked up on this and hasn't figured out how to uh, relate to the people he was coaching. Um you know, obviously Lane Kiffin can. He, his name comes up. Uh, he was also able to get his entire team vaccinated and his entire staff, uh, you know, in a, in a time when uh, people are just viciously and violently, uh, you know, resisting that, kicking and screaming. Uh, he gets his whole team. That's leadership. I, I, that is really one of the remarkable things about leadership. Uh, if you, I don't, it doesn't matter whether you're for or against the COVID vaccine or believe it, you're going to have a three-headed baby if you have the vaccine, all that business. Um, it is leadership. He was able to convince his guys, uh, hey, for the sake of the team, we need to do this. Um, I asked one of my friends who played for Vince Lombardi one time, what was it about Vince Lombardi that made him such a great coach? And he said, uh, Warthog, he said, um, Vince Lombardi is able to convince grown men that when the ball is kicked off, the communists are coming to rape your mother on the 50-yard line. That's leadership. And, you know, we were grown men and we knew it uh, wasn't so, but by golly, we believed it was so. And we went, went out there and played as if it were so. Um, he also had the ability, Lombardi did, that if you were one of these guys who liked an ice cream cone, 
and you were eating a cra- ice cream cone and Lombardi was coming, you hid that cone behind your back because, um, hey, you know, we don't do that. We, we're, we're warriors. We don't do we don't eat that ice cream stuff. That's for the women. Uh, that kind of stuff might be old school, but some of it's got to still be there in the sport because it is a very rugged sport. There are a lot of guys I know who are good at the football who wish they'd played the baseball. Uh, the baseball is basically a non-contact sport, uh, except for the collision at home plate, which I think is the most exciting play in baseball. Uh, the collision. And um, uh, probably the most famous collision is with uh, uh, Pete, who was banned from uh, uh, baseball forever betting his famous collision at home plate. Man, that's that's a that's a that's a that's a manly moment. Uh, chasing out into the air out there, half awake and half asleep, and catching a fly ball um, is not the same. Um, the only other collision you might see is pretty daring in baseball is you know second base. Um, that's that's about it. So uh, there are a lot of guys who I talked to a fellow friend, good friend of mine, who was all American uh, guard, uh, played for the Steelers, played for the Kansas City Chiefs. And wishes he had been a cat and had stayed as a catcher. He was an also uh, an all-American catcher, so he didn't do it, and uh, he didn't have a very long career. And but, you know, it was just something that um, uh, he made. He felt he made a wrong choice, but that's not the case. We got guys here still wanting to play the the game, and they'll be coming now. There are some things that have changed that I think are going to be relevant, and I, I base a lot of this on watching uh, what's happening with the transfer portal. <clears throat> a transfer portal, in case you don't know what it is, is basically where the player can decide. And we may have one here. Richardson may do this with the Gators. Uh, he dropped his I am a Gator from his Twitter account briefly after uh, the loss on Saturday. And then he put his uh, uh, I'm, a Ga- I'm a Gator back on his Twitter account. Obviously, uh, there were some moments of despair from him, if you interpret that from the Twitter account. Uh, but he's already got his own brand. He's already got a car. He already is a spokesman for some car dealership. So, but he could, you know, he's a character that could go in the transfer portal. Uh, he could say, you know, I'm fed up with being here. I'm too good. I sat on the pines. Um, and what he would do is he would put his name in the transfer portal. And the coaches around the country who are looking for players uh, would scan all the day, like kind of like the stock market to see what's, uh, you know, going up, and what's going down. and and you try to get that player to come to your school. And if you do, you get instant help quite often. Uh, we'll talk about that, how that's worked in basketball in just a moment. So we've got a case here where I think uh, what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to have a coach that creates a stir in what I call the uh, football grapevine among the players out there who are disgruntled at other schools who are very, very good. And whosoever name it is that comes to the University of Florida, whoever that coach is, those uh, players, those, those gruntled players, I need to look right away on that marquee and see that guy's name and say, I want to go play for him. They don't believe me. They don't give a damn about the school. Uh, all this crap about I'm a Gator forever. There may have been some in the past, but uh, there's not now. Uh, you take a look at who supports this and who the boosters are. It's still somebody said old time Florida money, uh, old time Florida players. Uh, I don't think we're going to get many uh, going forward who are the big donors the way we've gotten in the past from the old time Florida money. Um, 
but that's just my opinion. I've been watching this for quite a while. So the next coach, I think, is going to have to be very much a magnet for port, uh, transfer portal players. And uh, those guys will uh, take a look and say, wow, that guy's in Florida and I can play right away and I can be a star because, you know, I'm coming there. And all it would really take is four or five. I don't think we got the right quarterback. Uh, we, we don't, we, you know, we just, there's a lot of things that we need. Um, and then, of course, there's the idea of the money. Uh, you're looking for leadership and you're looking for communication. Mike Leach at, uh, has said that in Mississippi State, what he thinks is the problem in, is, there a lack, is a lack of communication. Well, I'm hearkening back to the uh, minority-dominated teams with uh, the, 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 white, uh, the white coaches. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's not. But it's certainly true, black or white as an adult, that your communication uh, mechanisms are different from those of your players, white or black. Um, they are tuned in to all kinds of stuff that, um, you know, we uh, personally, many, many adults don't approve of. They're distractions, TikTok and Instagram and, and all this kind of stuff that uh, can draw them away from them being committed to the, the, to the cause. So I think whoever comes along is going to have to have uh, leadership skills and is going to have to have communication skills. Um, the the question came up about 12 million to Mullen. I saw a fellow post out on my page. Oh, that'll never happen. 12 million is too much. 12 million is nothing. Absolutely nothing. Uh, I'll give you just an example. Uh, Mike, my pillow guy, gave uh, a good, good part of the $2 million to uh, Kyle Rittenhouse's bond. And uh, so these guys, you know, you're talking about a million here, a million there. That's nothing to them. And you're only talking about 12 guys. Hey, listen, that's all it takes. You know, they want to buy the guy out for twice, nothing. Hey, we're already paying 13.8 million, uh, 13.8 million to the last two coaches that we've had here. So we're, we're kicking out right now about 25 million, 26 million for failed efforts. And go do the figuring on that if you, if you want to enter a profession as a coach. Uh, heck, you know, you, you can get paid a huge amount of money and be a failure. And now the definition of failure, of course, is a very high standard. Uh, we're complaining all the time about, oh, my golly, you know, the school's too tough and uh, this, that, wing and another. Uh, yeah, well, you think the, the grading system is tough. You go to the grading system for the coaches and you can't make a misstep but you're heavily compensated. You know you're gonna make the misstep up front because it's almost impossible to meet these standards. Every once in a while you get somebody, but it's not, Nick Saban in Alabama is not just about Alabama. Nick Saban is about the football crazy Southern tradition that is the culture of Alabama, stronger than anywhere else. Used to be Jimmy uh, Johnny Vaughn at Mississippi. And then it was Frank Ball out of Arkansas. Uh, these guys reach, Florida never really did have somebody like that. Uh, Steve came along and sort of uh, uh, climbed up on that mountain. But these guys like Bud Wilkerson out in Oklahoma, um, I mean, these characters were institutions. And they, they were, they, you know, you'd fall over your, your, your uh, feet trying to get to play for them or get the opportunity to even be on third team. So we don't have that kind of culture here. That's the other thing that's going to have to happen. Not just the coach come here, but there's going to have to be a building of the culture. 
Um, the culture, what is the definition of the culture? Well, the culture is loyal to a cause rather than loyal to yourself is what I would say it would take to build a good team. Uh, right now, we don't have that. Uh, uh, you know, we have lip service to it, but we don't have it. Florida has never really had any culture ever since I came here in 61. That was always the beef about Florida, at the University of Florida. It just didn't have any culture. And the reason it doesn't is it has so many Yankees in the state. You know, Florida is not really a southern state. OK, that's I just want to put that on the table right now. A southern state is Georgia. A southern state is Alabama. A southern state is Arkansas. A southern state is Texas. A southern state, you get the picture, a southern state is Mississippi. That is the southeastern conference. Okay? Those are southerners defending their homeland. Those kids come to the football field doing that or did once upon a time. And the Bear Bryants and these people understood that. And it was all about us against them. Uh, we had people who had various versions of it, but it was not really the one that drove it all. We had a coach up at uh, Georgia Tech, uh, Bobby Dowd, uh, Bobby Dodd, who was really a kind of a gentleman's coach. Uh, coach Graves was a gentleman's coach. It didn't fly. We, we didn't, we didn't, and we were always a seven and three team. So, um, it, you know, is that still alive? I, it is in some parts. It's not alive here and it never will be. You will never be able to portray Florida as a Southern school. So what is the cultural brand of Florida? You, it, you know, that's missing. That's missing. Um, you know, it's not Steve Spurrier. It's not Emmett Smith. It is the culture like Vince Lombardi was able to do. The commies are coming to rape your mother on the 50-yard line when the ball is kicked off. That's culture. Commies are not our culture. So what culture are you going to find a coach to represent? And that culture is going to be the thing that has been, hasn't been built here. You know, if you go back and look at Meyer, he had winners, but what kind of culture did he have? Everybody takes a look at it and calls it a thug culture. It might take a thug culture. University of Miami had a thug culture identity for a long, long time. That's what they recruited. The University of Tampa, when it had a football team, it recruited rejects from other teams who'd gotten in trouble at those schools, gotten in fights or robbed a bank or whatever. They could get another chance at the University of Tampa with Frank, uh, with Franz Kersey, uh, with Coach Kersey. So, Fran Kersey. <clears throat> so, you know, I don't know what the culture is yet to be defined because Strickland has talked about it, how there has to be a culture. Uh, well, you better have some ideas about it because it's not there now, in my humble opinion. I'm never wrong. Now, we do have some culture <clears throat> over in, um, in, 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 in Billy Donovan land. Um, Billy Donovan was able to do something that hadn't been done here before. And it all started with him transferring Jason Williams in here from Marshall. If you haven't seen uh, highlight films of Jason Williams, you, you do yourself a treat and go out to YouTube and watch Jason Williams. He single-handedly beat Kentucky, uh, whom we could never beat. He just went up there and dazzled Kentucky. 
uh, he was a dazzling player. Only had two years of eligibility, but Donovan knew if he was going to prime the pump on this program, he was going to have to have Jason Williams. Uh, when Norm Sloan and Monty Tao were here, uh, they knew they'd have to have Vernon Maxwell. But uh, Vernon Maxwell was in trouble all the time, and eventually, in a, in a sense, the crowd, the three M's, Maxwell, Montgomery, and I've forgotten the other one, really got um, them and um, Norm and uh, Monty Tao in trouble. So uh, we had to start over from scratch. But we brought in Donovan, and he was able to build a culture, a basketball culture at a school that is considered to be, quote, unquote, a football school. You know, that, that's, that's basically the way it was seen. No basketball program to speak of. Norm was supposed to come here and get a jump start, and he almost did. Uh, Norm was a good coach. Monty was a good coach. But, uh, you know, sometimes they had to make a pact with the devil. But, but Billy Donovan was able to attract character and player and pull that off. Now, uh, the basketball portal is an interesting thing. I went to a couple of the games, and I was very impressed with the University of Florida basketball team. And I'll tell you why. They ran up and down that court like pros. They shot like pros. They passed like pros. Uh, they were teamwork like pros. Uh, and yet they had individual skills, which they offered. And uh, come to find out, those are grown men out there now. By that, we mean when a kid comes to the university, he's only 18 or 19. Uh, and then he's going to go up against a player who's 22, 23. That's a big difference. And that's basically what we got now at the University of Florida basketball. We have got grown men, if you will. Uh, and I've been very impressed with them and it's been put together with ba the basketball transfer portal. I just want to go through a couple of, uh, there's four guys that have come in here and I'm going to go through them a little bit. This is off of Sports Illustrated. Um, there is CJ Felder from Boston College, uh, who's a guard. Uh, he is a really, really, he's six seven. Uh, 230. Hey, now we're talking. Now we're talking. There's Philandris Fleming Jr., Charleston Southern guard. Uh, he is 6'4", uh, uh, 210. And um, he scored 1,500 points at Charleston uh, Southern and is a two-time Big South Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, he averaged 20 points and seven rebounds there. We got him now on the Florida Gators transfer portal. Okay, you get my point? Uh, over here, we also have Miron Jones, Myron Jones, 6'3", 180, Birmingham, Alabama. Um, he's got another year of eligibility left. Do I have to get here? He led the Nittany Lions with 15.3 points per game last season. Uh, he is a, a, a basketball player, and he is here with the Gators. Uh, you have Brandon McKissick, 6'3", 195, Ferguson, Missouri, St. Louis University. Uh, he led the Summit League Defensive Player of the Year and averaged 17 points a game. That kind of guy is here. So that's what we've got from the transfer portal. And believe me, you, that has made a difference in Florida basketball. These guys, all the coaches had to do, which is not necessarily easy, but a lot of these guys know each other for, for they see each other's names in the transfer portal. So he's been able to put them together as a team. And oh boy, Katie bar the door. Those guys run the court. Now, I don't know how they're going to do the rest of the year, but they're exciting to watch. Uh, they have blended well with what we've got. So my point in Coach Hogg's locker room, and I, hey, believe me, I am never wrong. Say after me, students, I am never wrong. 
you're going to have to have somebody who has leadership and communication skills um, who can create a culture. And the first place he probably needs to go look, well, Strickland needs to look, is for a guy who can attract people here like this basketball players uh, come here uh, out of the transfer portal. That's my two cents. I'm never wrong. The other thing I want to cover here is a big mystery that's going on in uh, uh, tennis, of which, you know, i um, got considerable experience. Uh, there's a great female tennis player from China named Peng Shui. Peng Shui is missing. Uh, she has disappeared into the mist, if you will, uh, of China. And um, there's all sorts of speculation about what's happened to her and whether she really resurfaced recently or is that was a doctored image of her. Uh, Peng Shui is um, important because the International Olympic Committee is watching this situation. The Winter Olympics are supposed to come up in China, and there's some talk now pulling them out of China. Um, this is exactly the opposite from what you get from the NBA basketball players, principally LeBron James. Uh, they're in cahoots with China. They don't run China down. They make money off of China, just like uh, Biden's kid does. Hunter Biden makes money off of China. And um, uh, Peng Sui is a three-time Olympian and a two-time Grand Slam champion in doubles. Um, she has not spoken in public for more than two weeks. Um, she accused a former vice premier in an online post of sexually assaulting her about three years ago. You can imagine how well that went over. Her post and the discussion of it was quickly censored on the Chinese social media. Um, our media is not much different, by the way. Um, so photos and videos have emerged in recent days showing her at a restaurant in a tennis match, but there have been questions about the authenticity of those photos. Now, everybody who's a tennis player really of any importance is concerned about this, from Serena Williams, Naomi Osaka, to uh, the males, uh, Djokovic, um, Nadal, these guys. This is not good for the tennis uh, circuit. Um, now, the Tennis Association is willing to pull tournaments out of China. Uh, perhaps China's losing, will lose hundreds of millions of dollars if the Tennis Association pulls out and if they can't validate where Peng Shui is. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's um, one of the biggest sports events of the year, of course, but uh, it, it ain't guaranteed it's gonna come off. You know, China can't produce incredible evidence of that Peng Shui is okay. Um, you don't know if it's going to escalate to the cessation of the Olympics there. Probably a long shot that it would, but, um, you know, you never know. I mean, this is, this has been, well, Biden wouldn't do it, but that goofy, uh, Carter did it. He put, he transferred the, the, uh, uh, Olympics in 1980 for all, re of all, for all reasons, um, um, Russia's behavior with the Afghanistans. Oh my God, you know, I mean, it was just, you know, that's how nutty that guy was as a, as a president. Um, so keep your eye on that. You heard it here on the on uh, Coach Hogg's locker room that there's something going on there. Uh, there's been a lot of looking at China uh, as, as, as having a problem uh, with transparency and the like, the whole bit. So there may be a boycotting of China's Olympics. The other issue that's coming up is Australia. The Australian Open has now dictated that thou shall not come into the, the continent of Australia, nor thou shall not play in the Australian Open, which will be right at the beginning of the year of 2022. 
if you have not been vaccinated for COVID. All the players have agreed to be vaccinated with the exception of big time players, with the exception of Djokovic. Djokovic has maintained all along kind of a um, uh, Aaron Rodgers type attitude that he takes care of his body the way he wants to. And indeed he has. I mean, he has done some quirky things that he was way out ahead of uh, decompression chambers and things like that. And people credit his ability to have stamina on the court too. So, you know, but he's not going to get vaccinated and the other players are begging him to come because he's the number one in the world and begging him. I, I, I uh, submit to you, he will not go to the Australian Open. Now I ain't got a, I don't know how much money I'd put on this bet. He, if, if he were to, if he were to buckle and get vaccinated for COVID and be eligible to go to the Australian Open, um, I'd be surprised. Let's put it that way. I'd be very, very, very surprised. So uh, that's kind of what's going on right now in Coach Hogg's locker room. Uh, the Mullen quandary, that is over, but it's not starting to in a, in a way. Uh, you've heard my opinion about that. Um, I don't know if they'll follow it or not, but um, who knows? Um, I know what the problem is. It's no, we're not a, you know, we're, we're really more of a, a Yankee state than we are a Southern state. Well, the Northern part where we are is Southern, but the Southern part is Yankee. It's all transfers down from New York and whatnot. And uh, they don't really care about the University of Florida. So uh, <clears throat> we'll see uh, how it all works out. We'll take a break here. I've uh, got a little bit of a um, change of weather, throat sinus kind of thing going on. So I'm going to lubricate a little bit. But uh, we'll get back and we'll talk about Rittenhouse. Censor uh, until proven innocent. Man, I tell you what, it has really brought, it really has brought the cockroaches out of the, into the light in the kitchen. Be right back on the Ward Scott Files. As uh, soon as we get a production to do our sponsors. Okay. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are On the Spot Dry Cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, RR Construction, Gators, Dockside, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. Welcome back to the Ward Scott Files with Professor Ward Scott here now in the Warthog Man Cave in an undisclosed location, Melbourne Law Studio. And uh, we got a call in number 352-325-3938, which will give me a text message if you want, or I'm watching comments here on the um, on the screen here. <clears throat> Fighting a little post-nasal stuff for today. <clears throat> Sorry. Well, by now you know about the Rittenhouse, the Rittenhouse um, uh, verdict. You know the Rittenhouse shot, uh, um, you know, got, got in trouble for shooting and bringing that gun. But let's just go through some of the misinformation that was out there, first of all, uh, just to refresh you of how what we're dealing with. Um, there was a report, for example, 
um, that uh, Kyle Rittenhouse had shot three black men and that he had traveled across the state lines with a gun that he had an AK-47. This is all false information. I, I don't know if it's false information. I really think it's more, uh, we have three classifications here. I think it's malinformation. I think it's malinformation, if you recall, is information that's based on reality, but it's used to inflict harm on a person. I think they were putting this stuff out to deliberately to uh, vilify him as a white supremacist and in so doing, take one more shot across about Trump. See, this is all, it's not about Rittenhouse, it's about Trump. And they're so afraid that Trump will come back and he will bring 75 million or whatever he brought with him. Uh, that's what this is all about. That's the dilemma going on in the nation right now is the person standing in the way of the dictatorship here in um, constitutional republic, as Lloyd Bailey calls it, um, is, uh, is Trump. So um, uh, anything that purports to be an agent or an extension of him uh, is, of course, going to be treated unfairly. Um, the uh, the, the um, face of the nation, we're just going to go through a summary here. It was in the Epoch Times. Um, Mark Strassman said that Rittenhouse had driven in Illinois armed for battle on CNN's Cuomo primetime. Harvard University professor, I'm so sick of Harvard. University professor Cornell William Brooks falsely said Rittenhouse was carrying the AK-47. Um, the Independent falsely reported Rittenhouse had shot three black men. Um, uh, well, you know, the truth is the people he shot were white as is Rittenhouse, the gun was bought by a friend and was picked up by the teenager who resided in Illinois from a home in Kennesaw. Uh, Rittenhouse claimed self-defense and the jury agreed, okay? I listened to all of it and it made perfect sense. And you look at the thing with all the evidence, makes perfect sense. Um, he was given due process, but you got this Maxine crazy as a hatter, uh, Waters, who doesn't want to accept it. You've got Big Mouth AOC, who really knows very little about the world outside of the immediate Brooklyn square footage area there, yakking her. But most damaging is Biden, uh, who, like Obama, started all this race war. Obama started the race war uh, by playing the race card. Everybody thought, well, maybe we'll calm down racial relationships. I mean, after all, we're long past um, uh, um, Johnson, and we've got uh, civil rights, we've got integration, we've got all this intermarriage, we've got all this stuff, you know, predominantly black high college football teams and pro teams and all this. Um, you know, we're, we're doing fine. And so it's time we can elect a black president who was really not black, he was 50-50, but he never mentioned the white side of himself, he only mentioned the black, and he played that to the hilt. He used it to fan the flames, and he used it to incite uh, damaging rhetoric and all above, you know. And uh, so that has been now carried on uh, by Biden, who who says that um, in the campaign days that um, he, uh, Rittenhouse was a uh, white supremacist. This was all an attempt by Biden to tie Rittenhouse to the Charlottesville white supremacist that uh, allegedly Trump would never denounce because he weren't white supremacists. I mean, he wasn't going to enter into falsehood and uh, malicious uh, verbiage. So what we've got here is we've got a, a need to fit an ideological narrative. Um, there's no question about that. I mean, that's what this is about. And the media is so committed 
to that narrative that he can't drag themselves to correct the previous errors and provide accurate details. They, uh, they're just, you know, we got to, we might as well have a propaganda probed to press here. I mean, might as well. Uh, the press has been a destructive force in this story. Um, it's it's been uh, you know it's, it's been a disaster ever since Trump, and 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 they've all committed themselves to. It's all racial. I'm beginning to see it all. This is everything's racial. It really is. And the blacks see a bias everywhere they look, even though there isn't one. They've written a bias into this, even though there isn't one. And they'll be damned at hell water high water until they get everybody else to swallow that lie. Um, so it's, it's, uh, and the guys that were shot were no angels, you know, I could go into their police rap sheet and it's, um, uh, it's a pretty bad, it's a pretty bad rap sheet. I mean, they were, at, they were thugs down there in this, in this, in this um, destructive Kenishaw burning and looting uh, episode that took place. Similar one just took place in Wisconsin last night. I think you saw the store that was broken into and um, one of the cities where people just took all the stuff, blocked the highway and stole them. Um, the big cities are going to become uninhabitable, um, and you know, they're, just, they're just going to be. Oh, man, you don't want to. You don't want to live there. So uh, um, we've got false claims that have reached uh, tens of millions of people um, on Twitter, and uh, it's funny, you know, Twitter wants to, uh, and Facebook and YouTube want to censor everybody. They only want to censor the people who are questioning the false narrative. Everybody else, they help spread the false narrative. Um, so um, this whole claim that he's openly a white supremacist has nothing to do with it. Uh, in fact, he says he's not a racist at all, and he likes Black Lives Matter. Now he may have been, you know, may have been saying that politically, but I, I, I can't support Black Lives Matter because uh, they want to kill the cops and want to burn down the stores and uh, loot and all that. So I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to be a part of that. But um, this kid may have said it to try to deflect some of the criticism. Of him. I don't know. I have no idea. But I would never have said it if I were he. But, you know, who knows who's you're not in his shoes. So uh, this this is the case that's going on uh, with um, with um, these characters. And um, it's all part of a it's all part of a very, very bad, uh, bad uh, uh, bunch of lies. Um, it's uh, now, Ken, does he have any questions come up? Does he have any uh, opportunity to file defamation lawsuits? against medias and personalities who dubbed him a white supremacist, uh, even likened him to a school shooter, um, spread the misinformation about the case, call him a vigilante. Um, he suffered, no doubt, uh, reputation damage. Uh, Michael Teeb, a uh, communication guy from Washington Examiner says, um, media uh, pundits railed against Rittenhouse um, Biden waiting on the case. He tweeted that, uh, um, you know, this guy was a white supremacist. Um, and even when he got off the plane the other day, he never disavowed that comment. He was, well, the jury system has spoken, but he never disavowed the fact that, uh, uh, he had said that, uh, uh, Rittenhouse was a, was a white supremacist. Um, now, so he can probably bring, the question comes up, can he bring civil lawsuits? He probably can. Um, you know, that's a whole other bailiwick um, and, you know, turmoil and chaos. Um, um, so so we'll, we'll, we'll wait to find out about that, whether he can. Now, on the other hand, there's a character named Naimi Rami, who is a 
uh, a, a former assistant U.S. attorney. He's a, I think he's an Iranian. He's, out, he's a West Coast trial lawyer and a frequent CNN guest. And he says that Kyle Rittenhouse um, uh, may suffer uh, a whole litany of civil suits from the family of the people he killed. In the same way that Nicole Brown Simpson's family uh, tried to sue O.J. Simpson in civil suits, even though O.J. Simpson was acquitted in a trial. I suspect that's going to happen, too, that they're going to go after um, the kid on the civil suit level. They're not going to quit. They're not going to quit until um, they can tie this all to bringing Trump down um, and bringing all the followers of Trump down. Because all the followers of Trump are considered to be white supremacists. That's the lie they're trying to get out there. Um, and uh, um, how do you defend yourself against an accusation of being racist? Uh, you know, you can't. I mean, you know, you can't. I mean, it's, you know, if I call you something, you, I, you know, I don't have a, I don't have to have a proof. <clears throat> I don't have to have proof. I can just make the I can just make the acclamation, and then you got to dig out from under it. So, um, you know, he's probably going to have some civil lawsuits coming at him from from um, um, all these characters out there who want to make sure that they, you know, establish the fact he's really an agent of the white supremacists. That's the big the, the battle going on in this country right now is racial. I don't care how you try to sugarcoat it any other way. That's what it is. It's racial. And it's unfortunate. It's really going to bring us down. Um, it's a lot of, you know, here's, 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 a, here's a setting in which that's occurring. Meanwhile, China is getting ready to take Taiwan and Russia take Ukraine. They can care less, you know, we're, we're so caught up in this stuff that's not so for political power that we're letting China and Russia dominate their hemispheres. I mean, come on, you know, and you'd hear nothing about that. Nothing. Nothing. It's, um, you know, you hear Omar running her yak and you hear Tlaib and Elsie. These people are all communists. I mean, Omar is a Muslim, come in in the refugee relocation program. And that's where the base is from. So do they stand a chance I, I, of getting him? Of course they do. Of course they do. Making his life miserable until they can establish the fact that, you know, he really is a, a Trump agent. Hey, by the way, I want to give you a local story. Uh, the Barbecue Browns, which uh, had this phony barbecue business up in Jacksonville, um, well, they just had their uh, conviction affirmed. Remember, they borrowed or got a grant from um, uh, the city up there for a quarter of a million dollars to create a barbecue business, and they never made any barbecue. So, um I mean, that's that's kind of um, just wanted to follow up on that story for you. Um, I don't um, uh, figure that you uh, have thought much about how this uh, Biden budget, what it's really going to cost. But I'm going to just go through this real briefly. Um, and this is a this is an analysis by uh, by Wall Street Journal. I've been looking for this to see what it is. Okay. The real Biden bill, you heard its number tossed around 1.75. It's another lie. It's another misrepresentation. It's going to cost more like 4.6 trillion. Okay. Enhanced child allowances, 3,600 bucks for children under age six, 3,000 for children up to age 17. 
This is the bill's most expensive provision, about $130 billion a year. Okay. And once they establish it, they'll extend it into the future. Um, earned income tax expansion. Uh, it triples the maximum EITC value for childless adults, uh, but only for one year. It's $15 billion. Annual cost will be $135 billion. And if it's extended over the decade, uh, which it probably will be. Obamacare premium subsidies, uh, uh, that's kicked in there. That's another that's another uh, sweet in the pot deal. Uh, they're set to expire, but they're going to be um, extended. Uh, and that's going to uh, really cost 100 billion, about 100 billion. Uh, universal pre-K, uh, bill appropriates about 18 billion in states for universal pre-K uh, through 2024. Um, these are entitlements. Uh, um, they're really going to be costing about 800 billion if made permanent. Right now, they're only costing like 380 billion. Right. Um, and some, the House bill will cost two trillion to three trillion more than uh, they're saying it's going to cost. Um, it's going to be um, start out kind of low, and you're going to think that's where it's going to stay. But that have to kick in the extensions, and uh, and that those extensions are going to be costly, and they're not going to go away. We got a shot at you know, but we missed it, it overturning it and blocking it. Um, <clears throat> got a funny story for you today. I thought I'd never, you know, I'm always looking for a different wrinkle on COVID. Everybody, everybody has the same old song and dance about COVID. It is to jab or not to jab, to mask or not to mask, and all the numbers that come out and all the all the stuff that is um, um, being crunched and presented and this, that, one, and other, and this tireless arguments and tireless presentations. But I thought this was pretty neat. You know, and that's kind of where we're headed. Uh, of course, nobody wants to give credit for the speed and versatility with which we uh, created these vaccines for COVID. But everybody better be paying attention to it because the speed and versatility and methodology with which we uh, created these vaccines is going to be needed very clearly in the future, particularly <clears throat> with, guess what? Climate change, melting of the permafrost. Now, when that permafrost melts, it will expose, are you ready for this? Many pathogens that have been frozen for 30,000 years. Huh? A few years ago, and this is in AARP, I thought it was fascinating. A few years ago, scientists in France awakened a gigantic ancient virus from its 30,000 year long slumber in the Siberian permafrost. This virus is called Pithovirus Sibericum. It only infects single-celled amoebas right now. But the discovery has scientists wondering what other microbes are hidden in melting permafrost, waiting another chance to infect. Huh? 
if a 30,000-year-old virus can maintain its infectious abilities, other microbes are capable of revisiting humanity in catastrophic fashion, which is to say, according to this article, that there may be no such thing as total eradication of a virus. We got them working in the frozen permafrost right now. Devastating diseases like smallpox even could come back to haunt if we're not careful. But the good news is that we, with this vaccine for COVID, have found very quick ways, different ways than we had in the past, of developing vaccines that may attenuate some of this stuff. The permafrost, wow, the permafrost. Can you imagine the permafrost? Let me look at my comments here. Any questions? Um, I'm just looking here. Don't see any questions you got coming up. My, my Melon Law hotline has not uh, gone off. So um, we, we uh, uh, assume that you all in students class today, you're uh, learning right along and you're um, participating. Um, immigration. That is another issue which um, uh, we have not paid attention to. Um, the immigration judges have called off deportation under Biden. I don't know about this Biden character. I mean, you, you know, let's talk for a moment about him. You got Kamala Harris waiting in the wings. What a disastrous scenario you've got there. You clearly see what's happening. Uh, it's a complete 180 degree about turn from, uh, of course, the values that Trump was standing for. Um, now we have the heavy socialism, the big government. It's always been the dream of the federal government to get bigger. Um, so the department officials have found that we can't straighten any of this immigration out of the courts because they're just inundated. They're absolutely saturated. Um, so we're issuing fewer and fewer deportation orders. Uh, consequently, we got a huge border surge. Um, we have um, um, an inability to finish the wall because you know that was an about face by Biden for diplomatic, I mean, for political reasons. Um, Department of Justice has turned its uh, attention to our own people, calling parents at school board meetings domestic terrorists, while meanwhile, cases that would be prosecuted by lawyers and Homeland Security on immigration have uh, stopped being brought before the courts. The workload is just too big. 115,000 cases in just one fiscal year. Um, it, it, it is, it's, it's too big. And, and so we've got over here this festering problem, do we not, of immigration along with China and Russia. And of course, we've got the uh, ticking time bomb inflation. So um, um, we've got to, we've, you know, we've got a lot of things here that are going to converge, um, perhaps all at once in a very dramatic way. 
um, that will be very shocking to people who think everything's just fine because I don't see the storm coming. Kind of like a tsunami. You know, I've seen these images that you have of people waiting on the beach and all of a sudden having to run because they didn't realize how big the wave was. It's kind of a good analogy. Um, there's huge lies being told why Build Back Better will not increase inflation. Inflation's already here. And uh, we know it. it's built into the system now. It takes a long time to purge it from the system. Um, and, you know, there's no, nothing on the horizon claim and suggest it will be. Um, we, um, we meanwhile, have, have um, um, not addressed significant issues like education that we need to address. You know, we, we, ha we have these arguments over uh, basically the racial arguments over uh, critical race theories and, you know, accepting your bias as a, uh, and the 16 night, all this kind of stuff. Meanwhile, I read an article, let me see if I got it somewhere here, uh, that uh, you know, China is so glad to see this because their kids are getting educated and their kids are gonna run, gonna run the world, okay? Um, their, their children, children are, are um, getting an education and it's because of the, the, the emphasis they place on it on it in their culture. So that's another way in which China is defeating us. As we sit here and argue about racial quotas uh, in education, uh, China is busy stringently and demandingly educating its kid to expect high standards and perform them. Um, that is another way in which we have just taken up all the wrong causes and all the wrong issues that are gonna leave us very, very vulnerable if we don't try to correct them. So what's your summation as uh, where we are? Uh, I, I really loaded up a lot on the press. The press has continued to perpetrate and spread not just false information, but malinformation. And in so doing uh, has been a, a troublemaker, a very big troublemaker. So I don't know how do we correct it. Uh, uh, I've heard even at our own mayor here locally um, said that the Rittenhouse jury was crazy or whatever. That's what they do. They attack these 12 people who, oh, they had to be nuts to reach his verdict. They never watched the thing. They don't know what they're talking about. But boy, they got a, a real opportunity to shout out. Um, and that that is um, that is something to be uh, aware of. The hypocrisy and the, the emotional ideology that permeates. On the election fraud front, we're plugging away on the election fraud front. Uh, we think we're making progress. It's a, a very slow and tedious thing because nobody wants to recognize it or admit it. And you can get in trouble if you voice it too loudly. But we're sure we have people here, not just in this county, but other counties violating the convicted felon law um, and voting, at least getting registered, which is also against the law. Um, so today's show was titled The Bigger Picture. The bigger picture is that we are uh, right in the middle of really, if you will, it's really a race war. Um, and it's being fueled by misinformation, malicious information. And um, I hope it calms down and it doesn't take us down a path that we can't get off of. I think I'm going to quit just a few minutes early today because of, um, you know, the uh, kind of um, uh, challenges here today on that little cold. So um, y'all take care um, and we'll be back tomorrow.
Lord's willing, the creeks don't rise. Warthog, come in, send her out. Check this out, Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Shit. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No. No, don't. Help me. Help. 